Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I don't mind a pale and interesting Swiss roll as long as the sponge is cooked. That's my Tinder bio. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not on Tinder. (laughs) Hello and welcome to all our wonderful listeners to the final episode of the Bakedown Podcast 2022. You will immediately realise that this is not the voice of Sarah, but instead it is the founder of Bake With Legend, Josh Landy. And I just wanted to kick off your podcast this week by saying a huge thank you and well done to Sarah for stepping into the hot seat this season and giving you such a brilliant podcast each and every week alongside Howard, Jane and Dan. Now talking of Dan, I hope you'll join us for our final free webinar class of the year which Dan is going to lead as he shows you how to make his pumpkin whoopie pies on Saturday, 26th of November. You can check the link in the podcast description to sign up. It's absolutely free. It's part of our activity over the Black Friday weekend, where we'll also have some brilliant offers for you for our public online classes. Now, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but we deliberately decided not to run ads on the podcast for the whole series. And that's essentially because we wanted to give you the best possible listening experience. But, and sure, there is a but. If you have enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would dearly love and appreciate your support. And the biggest way you can do that is by coming to one of our online classes that we offer with our bakers, or perhaps gifting a voucher to a friend or family member, or even just buying one of our aprons. So, as we approach Black Friday weekend and Christmas, please do have us in mind for gifts for yourselves, friends or family. And so without further ado, here is the wonderful Sarah and co ready to give you their take on the great British Bake Off final 2022. Thank you for listening and they'll all be back for the two festive specials before too long. 
everybody, welcome to another episode of the Bake Down podcast. I'm Sarah, I will be your host as ever, and with us we have the lovely Jane Beadle, Dan Beasley Harling, and Howard Middleton. And guys, it's the final episode, which is really exciting on one hand because we get to see who won, but on the other hand, it means this is the end of our podcast, which makes no, me very sad. Makes me very sad too. But I'm sure we will return very soon for our celebrity episodes of the Christmas and the New Year. But we will come to that later. So let's get started. I'm sure we have lots to say about this year's final. So we start off with a signature, the signature challenge as always. Uh, And this week it was a summer picnic using seasonal ingredients, six mini cakes, six individual veggie pies and six finger sandwiches made from a white loaf. And of course, they had to make another loaf as well, all in three hours. Goodness me, Jane, that seems like a lot to do in three hours. Uh, well, most of it, most of it's all right, actually. It's just getting that bread cooked and cool enough to be able to cut. I mean, we all know how hard it is to cut a hot or a warm loaf from the bakery. It all sort of wants to concertina, doesn't it? It's very difficult to cut it thin. So I think the bread was the hardest challenge to get done in the time. Not because it's a particularly difficult challenge, which a plain white loaf isn't, but to get it done in the three hours. And I was surprised that it seemed like people, it could have just been the editing, but it seemed like people were baking their bread before they baked their cakes. And they, they would have had a couple of goes at proving it. I would have thought they could have got everything else baked before the loaves went in but I I don't know it just seemed like the timing was all a bit off to me but a good a good challenge the mini cakes don't take much cooking they just need to plan be planned well and the veg pies well you just need to get that pastry cooked because generally the vegetables they won't kill you if you don't bake it all the way through but the pastry needs to be cooked so I thought not a bad challenge in three hours it's just yeah we did a picnic in our final uh, we had five hours I think and we had oh my goodness me, so many things to do. And it just seemed like it was rehashing old things and cut it down to make it in a um, signature. So, yeah. One thing I will say, so that was a very articulate comment, wasn't it? Um, (laughs) uh, One thing I would say, though, did anybody spot any cling film? Because I really like the idea that this was all seasonals and sustainable. So I think us banging on about seasonality, sustainability and lack of cling film might be beginning to sink in. I, I flatter us that they listen to us and take notice. But I thought, thank goodness, they're a bit late doing it. But I'm very glad it's arrived. I, I thought I did see cling film. Oh, yeah. did you? Oh, gosh. Well, that was the thing that annoyed me about the fact that they oh. were saying about sustainability and the planet and what have you, and they're still getting the cling film out. So, yeah. Oh, I'm really disappointed because I've only watched it once, obviously, and I didn't notice. I'll have to go back and have a look. Yeah, because it's all very well getting lemons from Devon, but blooming cling film. They did definitely use cling film in the technical, I believe, when lining the bowl for the summer pudding. Oh, of course they did. They lined the bomb. Dan, what did you think of this signature? Actually, as a special treat for Howard, Jane and I have decided uh, to let him get a word in edgeways for this <laughs> final. So <laughs> That is a treat. How nice, Howard. Howard, what did you think? <laughs> 
I've, I've just had a moan about cling film, so I, I've I've had my uh, my. Uh, You've had your hump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. Uh, I thought it was a nice challenge actually. I, it's one of those things where I would have enjoyed doing it, and that's not the measure of a good challenge that Howard would have enjoyed doing it, but it was doable you know provided you organize yourself and you you concentrate on what you're doing each of the individual elements are manageable in their own right so you just have to be a bit organized and it was an opportunity i think with uh, vegetarian stuff to do something a bit bit more unusual in terms of flavors as well so I thought it was, I would have liked this challenge as well, because I think it's very much a, an exercise in time management. And I feel like this is one of those recipes that you could have planned all in theory, and you wouldn't have had to have trialed it a hundred times, because it's sort of things that you know relatively well, things aren't too complicated. And as long as you can work out how you're going to make it all in the time, that that's sort of more the challenge than anything else. Did anybody else feel absolutely horrified by Sandro, for some reason, yes. feeling the need to make a bunch of extra things? Like, for anyone who's been in the tent, like, if they ask you to do, like, a two-tier cake, just do two tiers. Like, don't do three. It's a recipe for disaster, and you will get no credit for doing more. And when they turned around to him and said, well, we're not even going to try them, I would have been quite annoyed if it were me. But then I would never would have done that. It's just it's such an odd thing to do. Why would you Why would you do that? That really kind of, I don't know why that aggravated me, but I just thought that was so silly. And he could have spent his time making the other things a little more wonderful. And maybe, you know, maybe he would have got his handshake for that. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I agree. Absolutely. I've got this big Y and a huge exclamation mark. I just... He, he picked a really good filling, I thought, for his sandwich, egg and watercress, nice and easy to manage, not controversial, absolutely yummy with a bit of mustard in. Lemon and elderflower cakes, perfect. But nothing looked great. Those lemon and elderflower cakes were too big and messy. It, it, you know, the sandwiches were massive, weren't they? And I just wonder why he gave himself that extra stress. I don't know where his head was. He'd been told all the way along. Just don't overdo it. Don't overdo it. Then he thinks, chucks in six fruit tarts and six blueberry jam biscuits. I, it, 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 he was the architect, I think, of his own downfall. How's that? Madness. Referring? Madness. Madness, I tell you. But at least he learned what pastry he was going to be using this week. He was using a short crust and he came right out with that answer. I was like, well done. You've grown. Yeah, done, <laughs> done the proper way, he said. Yeah. <laughs> Which other one? What? What's that, the... I don't know. I don't know what that meant. But I don't, but again, you know, even in in the, in that respect, uh, they commented that the pastry was not quite cooked. So that's another reason why you concentrate on the stuff that you're given to do. Do those pies really, really well. Don't start getting distracted by other stuff. Oh dear, I, I was very sad. I'm really sad that Sandro did that because I loved the. Oh, I'm using lemons grown in Devon. Who knew? I didn't know they grew lemons in Devon. I must admit. And then I, I thought that I thought it was really interesting. I'm sure we won't get them in Sainsbury's, but there we go. Sandro just reminded me. I think the reason it upset me so much is because it reminds me of doing homework with my daughter when she has to write a piece for English and then she's like, can I draw a picture and colour it in? And I'm like, yeah, but why? Like, there's no point. You're not going to get any, like, sure, draw a picture and colour it in if you want, but, like, it's that's not the homework, love. And it's just, I think this is because it reflects my own struggles in real life. Um, but, yeah, I just, I don't know why he did that. But I will say one thing which I will take away from this is 
is apparently, according to Abdul, there's some kind of cheese made in England that's very like feta called fet- fettle. Nice. Yes. Me and Howard are getting very excited about this. Oh, we love a bit so of Yorkshire <laughs> I knew Howard would enjoy this. I thought Yorkshire cheese, Howard's going to love this. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous feta type cheese. But is Howard, um, I've learned that the there's there's been this massive court case and they can't call it fettle anymore. No. It's close to the word feta. So it's going to be called salad cheese. Mrs. Oh. Bell's oh. salad cheese. It's very upsetting. Is it made with sheep's milk or goat's milk or cow's milk? What is it? Sheep's milk. It's lovely. It's sheep's milk. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. And it's it's a company that does a lot of, of lovely, lovely cheeses. Oh. There's one called Harrogate Blue and things like oh. that. Oh, lovely cheeses. But fettle is 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 a lovely word, isn't it? I don't, I don't know whether you use it in the same way that, that we do in Yorkshire, but my mum will use the word fettle. She said, well, I have to give that bathroom a good fettling. So, it, it, yes, it means to tidy up and clean and, yeah. Which, oh. I mean, I'm not, I've not fettled in here. It comes from the woolen industry. Um, it means to clean the, the wool off the teeth of the machines when they're oh. blending oh. the wools. Oh. This is my family history of, of Yorkshire woolen mills, so I'm <laughs> coming in here with my knowledge. Uh, so, yes, there we go. Thank you for joining us for our history lesson. Of Yorkshire. <laughs> of Yorkshire, yeah. <laughs> Yorkshire cheeses, exactly. So, yes, um, Abdul uh, had a very good start, didn't he, with his leek, onion, rocket, mint and fettle pies, his mixed vegetables with cream cheese and dill in his sandwiches that looked like a beautifully fancy coleslaw to me, looked really nice, Mm. and um, a mini Swiss roll with cherry and tarragon jam. Um, But it's a shame they couldn't taste the tarragon. Uh, which sounded very interesting to me. I'm not sure that would have worked. So one of, well, maybe. So one of my favourite uh, dishes, it's a chicken dish that's with tarragon and grapes, green grapes, uh, in a cream sauce. And that's delicious with the sweetness with the tarragon. But for some reason with cherry, I just couldn't quite see it. I couldn't see how that was going to work. So I think he was maybe a little bit lucky they couldn't taste it. Um, I'm just, I struggled to see how that would have worked. I suppose it depends if the cherries were sort of towards the sweeter end or the sour end, but that didn't tickle me. Anyone else? Oh, well, I, I, I absolutely love tarragon. So I'm, I'm prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt, actually. Like you, I, I love a bit of tarragon and grapes and chicken. But yeah, I'm prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt. He was just trying something a little bit different. Isn't he? A bit annoyed that Paul went, oh, the colours. What is it? It's lost some colour. Yeah, what did the, what did that mean? It never had colour in the first place, you know. So where did it lose it? Did he just mean they were a bit pale? Maybe. Yeah, that's what he meant. I, that's what he meant. He just meant they were a bit pale. But I don't mind a pale and interesting Swiss roll as long as the sponge is cooked. That's my Tinder bio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on Tinder. I've been off the market for oh, 15 years. I've never seen Tinder. But... Oh, it's going to be one of those programs, isn't it? it? Is. It's one of those mornings. Sorry, darling. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I thought Andal did really well, actually. I think, I, th- I think, on the whole, his was my favourite recipe for the signature. I thought he did a grand job. But the only thing he didn't do a good job of was pretending to be sad about uh, Maxine Janusz leaving. Um, <laughs> when Noel was teasing him, I just thought, because obviously Abdul's just very polite, bless him. And uh, just it just really made me chuckle. A couple of the moments really made me chuckle. So there was Abdul pretending to be sad. And then also, did you hear Shabira's American accent? Oh, oh yeah. gosh. <laughs> it was... 
<laughs> yeah, apologies for the accent to all our American listeners. Cause... Not even close. Not even close. <laughs> was it Matt who was trying to convince her that, that she was doing a good job? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Shabira, never change. <laughs> uh, well, Shabira had a good start with her. Uh, with her picnic as well, her no porky pie pies, um, which looked beautiful with an aubergine and mushroom, quail's egg in the middle and some piccalilli. That looked like a really beautiful vegetarian pork pie. Her oh, lovely... You said no porky pies. I finally got that pun. I was like li- reading it and listening oh, to it okay. again and again. I was like, no porky pie? Por- is it porcupine? I finally got it. It's no lies. Right, okay. Yeah, no, no porky pies. <laughs> it suddenly makes sense. Sorry, Sarah, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as we're all learning something that's what we're here for <laughs> absolutely um, she also had some beautiful little heart-shaped finger sandwiches with a broad bean and coriander paste and salsa verde which also sounded beautiful sort of like a veggie pate and her elderflower infused twist rolls with strawberry jam rosemary cream and those beautiful little patterned strawberries on the top which looked beautiful how what did you think of those lovely yeah i i, I quite often carve a strawberry when I have nothing to, to do. So, <laughs> do you? Yeah, <laughs> too, too busy today, but, uh, but yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I think the only uh, the, the only criticism that she got was from Pooh saying that her pies could have done with a little bit more more salt in them. But that's kind of personal taste, isn't it? It's uh, A pastry was delicious, which is a huge relief that somebody can do pastry. So that's mm. that's great. She did pastry really well on pastry yeah, week, actually. Her yeah. volibon pastry was fantastic. So, yeah, a, a good pastry. And they look very neat, too. I lo- I thought they were lovely. I thought, she, I thought she was very amusing, actually. She was quite quick, didn't When Matt saw a quail's egg on the floor and went, oh, there's a quail's egg. And, and she said, yes, I've just laid it. Mm. And it was just very quick. <laughs> and actually had him, had him really laughing. So I thought, yeah. oh, Shabira, you... Yeah, you could have life. a future in stand-up here, but just don't do the American accent. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, job tack. The <laughs> one thing that is a very, very minor thing that really impressed me is her quail's eggs really were right in the centre of those pork mm. pies. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Did you see? So what? on Paul's half, it was right in the centre. Mm. But when you looked at the half that flopped over towards Prue, because I saw that bit the second time this morning, I plopped propped over towards Prue, it wasn't quite so in the centre. And it Aww. Prue just moved it across. So it wasn't contradicting. Have a look. It could just be me being very cynical. You've rained on my parade there. Oh, Jane. I might be wrong. I could be wrong. Let's just assume you're wrong. It makes me feel okay, better. Fair enough. Um, I'm wrong. Unusual, but, one... but I'm wrong. <laughs> no, but I do like it when bakers have the time to take the care to finish things really nicely. So that brought me brought me a little joy because it's like it's not hard to put the uh, egg in the middle of a pie, but it just takes a little bit of extra effort. And it's kind of I much rather they take the extra effort to make things nice than do what Sandra did and try to make extra things that weren't maybe necessary. Yeah, yeah, so, true. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm not going to go back and look for that wonky egg because yeah, I don't want it to ruin my wonderful impression of Shabira. But yeah, no, I thought that overall she did she did great. Although they did said on the cake, the rosemary slightly overpowers, um, which to me sounded, I mean, maybe not so delightful. I like rosemary on savoury things. I'm not a fan of rosemary and sweet things. I've got to be honest. 
we had was it the bay and thyme flavored mousse thing that um kevin did like that's that's like very delicate flavors but rosemary seems quite strong to me it is too i find i would have found it too strong to go with the, mm, the strawberry yeah. i would have maybe if she wanted to do a flavored cream a little basil cream with the strawberry might have been quite nice a little but something more subtle um, than the rosemary everyone to jane's just about to chuck it on a big focaccia which is delicious <laughs> something i enjoyed was uh, obviously the the theme of it being our beautiful planet which obviously carried through to the final but i enjoyed the editing where i believe i can't remember if it was pro or paul who said uh, the bakers have uh, more pressures in the tent this week and then they cut to a picture of a giant plastic rhino on the lawn <laughs> and i thought are they going to set the animals on them <laughs> What are they going to do to them? But uh, I enjoyed those lawn decorations, sort of reminding us of the polar bear at the window. It was a little very interesting. It was genuinely nice to see people back. I think in the in the last couple of years, we've sort of. I it's one of those things I didn't notice that they didn't have it until they brought people back. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, we've been missing that the last couple of years. And it's, I think it's added a, a sense of uh, community and warmth to the final that maybe has been like, I didn't notice it was missing, but now that it's back, I definitely notice it's back. So um, I really enjoyed that. It was nice to see the old contestants, sorry, the uh, previous contestants. Um, and the old contestants. And the old contestants <laughs> as well. Both. Yeah. Nice to see Dawn and Carol. Um, but yeah, it was, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. I better, I better just stop talking at this point. But no, it was it was nice to see. It was nice to see. I agree. I agree. It was indeed. Um, Jane, a question for you here because uh, you've had some gripes, shall we say, about about Paul and his uh, and his attitudes in the tent. Um, did you find his language a little bit annoying in the tent? Uh, for example, he would say to somebody like, "Oh, it's pretty decent." It's like, this is the final, is is pretty decent. That sounds like quite an average comment, but after you've just given such lovely praise to then say, it's pretty decent, it's like, is that an understatement or was it not good? Yeah, I agree. He was, he was damning with faint praise, wasn't he? He said to Abdul, overall a decent job. And I thought, well, yeah, I've actually written it down. So you're right. Thank you for reminding me. I've written that down. And there was something else that Prue said the flavours were delicious and he was like, mm, it's all right, really. So I don't know. You know, Paul is being Paul. I haven't been too mean about Paul for about three or four, or maybe even five episodes, actually. It's been very hard for you and we're very impressed, Jane. I have. I've restrained myself. Um, so certainly in this, signature he he was a bit short on praise i do think they all did a pretty decent job in three hours it was quite a big challenge and and if it was the same as when i was in the final you get not much notice for your recipes so you know i think we had we had about 10 day notice that this is what you've got to prepare for the final so you don't have much time to do recipe development and you would have thought he'd be a bit bit nicer about it but I don't think he was too bad he was just a bit poor wasn't he He was probably ready to go home and do whatever he's going to do next I suppose I think that's right as well because I think um given the fact that they don't have much time to actually prepare those final recipes and then Paul was still saying at certain points have you practiced this have you practiced this and you think they'll not have had a lot of time to practice either no they weren't and they had a hell of a lot of recipes to get through but as we were saying earlier they are all recipes 
that they wouldn't have had to think too hard about. You know, a veg pie, worst comes to the worst, roast some lovely vegetables, add some fettle and, and maybe some nice roasted tomatoes in there and make a pie. You know, it's not as though you're trying to practice a huge construction. So I suppose in that way, it wasn't too bad. But, you know, they don't have much time. They don't have much time to practice, to be honest, all the other challenges. So... Yeah, he was a bit mean. He, he was a bit mean, but thank you for thank you for letting me moan about Paul in our last <laughs> podcast of the series. I've been very well behaved up till now. Very generous of you. <laughs> and I should just say for our American friends, um, English compliments are very weirdly coded. Like if we say something's not bad, that means it's actually really good. But if we say something's decent, that means it's bad. So it's kind of like, it's very confusing <laughs> as to what we actually mean. We're a very indirect uh, group of people over in England. So the, the some of the nuances may be lost on you, but decent is not really a compliment, is it? Sometimes it's to do with tone, isn't it? So you mm. might say, oh, it's not bad. Or you might say, mm, it's not bad. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. But can I just, on that English politeness thing, just do a pizza story? We might as well. Nothing to do with Domino's this time. Oh, God. Um, so we have a pizza place here that we, we hadn't tried. So we went down there with some friends. And um, I won't spare you the details, but there was a bit of a muddle. So instead of actually giving us our food on a plate when we asked for it, it turned up half an hour later in a pizza takeaway box. So we're like, we're eating here. Okay. So they went, well, we can't put it on a plate now. So I opened my box and it had obviously been sitting on the side waiting to be collected for half an hour rather than brought to our table. And I went, my pizza is really cold. And everybody else went, well, ours is too. And I said, excuse me, can you just put this back in the oven? Because this is really cold. And well, how about you guys? Oh, no, 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 we're fine. And then as it went (laughs) off to the oven, oven, somebody leant across and went, well done, Jane. I mean, well done for sending back a cold pizza. And you all sat there and ate this cold cardboard pizza. Honestly, honestly, we are too polite for our own good. Yeah, we're like, it's lovely. (laughs) Yes, no, it's, it's fine. It's been sitting on the side for half an hour. It's fine, Jane, but well done. Yeah, so brave. So brave. Heading into the technical, we've got all three contestants pretty much neck and neck, I'd say. Possibly Sandro paling a little bit. I mean, he did have some slightly undercooked pastry, but all managing to finish the task really well with really good flavours. Now, before we start our technical, we have had a question from Danielle in Seattle, who is signed up to our 10-week classes And she wanted to know, for the technical, since Pastry Week didn't go very well last week, did you think that during the final they would have added in a pastry challenge for the technical for one last time? I remember one season they did this. I believe it was with Nadia, Ian and Tamal. They had to do pastry again because their pastry had been so bad. They put it in as like a finalised technical challenge for them. Do you think that would have been a good technical challenge this, this year? I love these Bake Off historians. They know it better than I do. I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I was just thrilled this technical uh, was something that I wanted to make. Because do you remember last week, I really wanted, uh, I wished that I'd got week nine for the classes so that I could have made the mini Charlottes. And instead I got week 10 and I'm going to make uh, this uh, summer pudding bomb in, in our week 10 class. And I'm thrilled 
So I'm going to make like a, a summer fruit one, but using frozen fruits, because obviously it's the middle of winter now. There ain't no uh, summer fruits around that are good, nice to eat anymore. They'll all be quite sour. And I'm going to do like a lemon meringue filling. So it's going to be like a lemon meringue and summer and summer fruit bomb. And I'm very excited about that. But I don't think I will be asking everyone to turn it out within the two hour class. I think that might lead to a little bit of unhappiness, wouldn't you say, Sarah? Indeed. Yes. It's like when we do Ian's Charlotte Royale, sometimes it just needs that little bit more time in the fridge. We'll just wait it out. So it reminded me very much of uh, in my season, it was dessert week, we all made blamanges. And there were some that were standing proud and some that were just puddles. And I just kind of, uh, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't the most inspired. It was really a technical of whose uh, summer pudding is the tallest, wasn't it? That seemed to be very much how it turned out. So I felt the judging was quite easy on this one. So did you think there were any pitfalls that they fell into, Howard? The lack of familiarity with uh, with vegan gelatin so agar agar not knowing that you need to kind of boil it in order to activate it did you know that yes yeah because i used didn't. it quite a few times and it does produce a really firm jelly if you do it that way i've never tried it not doing it that way and so i wouldn't know what the chances of it of it collapsing would be but i would think pretty high if you don't boil it you see with with beef gelatin you don't want to be you don't want to endlessly sort of heat it and cool it because you can damage it and reduce its ability to set. So you're cautious about heating a, a bovine gelatin. So yeah, I would not have known that. And mine probably would have been one of the flat ones, I have to say. Yeah, I, it, it is a funny thing, Agar. I don't... Oh, Agar, Agar. So good they named it twice. <laughs> Why is it Agar, Agar? Anyway, I'm sure somebody will know. It is funny old snuff. And I don't always like the texture of it uh, if you set it too firmly. I think Karen does classes where she uses agar, doesn't she? I think she's basically vegetarian gelatin. The lovely thing about it is used a lot in the Far East because its melting point is, and I always get these things the wrong way, it stands up better in heat, basically. You know what gelatin's like here. It, you know, if it's hot, it doesn't set or it melts on you. Agar is pretty good at holding up in high temperatures. Um, and it very often sets out of the fridge and sets much faster, actually, than uh, gelatin. It, it's just that it can be quite solid and sliceable. It's almost like, what's that lovely quince stuff they have in Spain that they eat with cheese? Oh, membrillo. Yes. So it's a bit like that sort of texture. So it's a very different texture. And yes, you just boil it, boil it all up. And it should have set in the two hours. They were a bit tight with the time, I thought, with two hours for all those things to make. Um, and and they none of them had enough. A raspberry sauce, did they, to soak their bread? And the thing about a summer pudding is um, it needs a lot of sauce to soak it. But I thought Paul kept saying, you, you obviously had timing issues. In two hours, you're going to have timing issues, aren't you? I mean, it was a meat, it, it was very tight on the time, I thought. I'm sure the home economists will say work backwards and see how long you need. But if you don't know the recipe, you don't really, you had to make meringue in there as well. And albeit only little ones. Do you know what, though? One of my least favourite criticisms ever is when they say things like, oh, it could have used an extra half an hour proving or setting or whatever. Yes. And I'm like, 
thanks for that genius like it's <laughs> like you set the time constraint on this i just that really gets the my back up i hate that criticism give them more time then like we when we did the blamanges which needed forever to set we made something else like some little biscuits or something in the meantime to do something else while we waited and i think maybe it would have benefited from that from having a baking a little little some biscuits or something while they were waiting for it to set what do you think oh yeah i agree they they kept saying to us, you can do it in the time, you can do it in the time, work backwards for how long it needs to bake and how long it needs to cool. How do you know how long it needs to cool? Oh, you know, it's special. But I liked Sandro's comment when he said, I don't know why it didn't set. He said, it's science, isn't it? <laughs> Which I just love that comment. Oh, bless him. He didn't get his handshake at all, did he? I My heart went out to him. I thought he was utterly delightful and perfectly sandro this episode he was Aww. just wonderful wasn't it he? is a shame i'll loan him one of my handshakes i've got Aww. some to spare oh dear just picking up on danielle's question i i think there is an opportunity not necessarily just in the technical but across all the challenges for them to to pick up on perhaps some of the disciplines, some of the skills that haven't been shown in their best light during the rest of the series, and that's why we've we've ended up with with signatures that have got pastry in there and a showstopper that has got a multitude of different skills that are required. I think this well, the signature obviously did have a bunch of different skills this week, so I think that was. That was good. That was a good test for the final. But I also think we have to bear in mind there are two, well, probably more than two, but a couple of different types of people who watch Bake Off. There's people who are bakers who care about all this stuff. And there are people who are just watching it as an entertainment show and just want to see people freaking out, over, you know, crying over cake in a tent, you know. And I think it's probably serving those people very well. And maybe we're being ultra picky because, you know, we want to see these balance of skills and we care about the baking and, you know, Maybe other people are watching it for different reasons. Is that cynical? I don't know. No, I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair, Dan. I mean, we do. It's not an instructional show, is it? It is entertainment, and I think sometimes we get a bit carried away. Apparently, in America, the first two seasons that have always been like a mystery, and no one knew where to watch them. They've become available. I can't remember on on what app. On the Roku channel, the free Roku channel. Well, there you go. Wow. And a lot of the Americans have been watching them and discovering that Mel and Sue used to go and um, visit places like bakeries mm. and talk about bakes and stuff, and have been really enjoying that aspect of it. Um, and I think that has sort of fallen a little bit by the wayside in favour of sort of pure entertainment. But I, I do like both styles, I have to say. I do, obviously, the baker in me loves the instructional sides, but I also, I do love the drama. Oh, yeah, me too, me too. But just on the instructional side, on the technical challenge. So when we did, we did, I can't remember what it was called, Botanical Week. Mm. Botanical Week. And we were decorating cakes with flowers and things. And somebody, and I can't remember who, I think it was Andrew, but I might be wrong, asked for elderflower was going to put elderflower on his cake. And they said, no, 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 you can't have elderflower because elderflowers are actually poisonous. Yeah, they lose their poisonousness. Toxicity maybe is the better word. When they're boiled and cooked, hence elderflower cordial. But actually the flowers themselves can be an irritant and cause sort of certain upsets. And then they were putting elderflower on their summer puddings. Outrageous. I thought Meghan and Harry had elderflower on their wedding cakes. Well, they may well have done, but I think elder, I think you'll find... Maybe the food team got sick of Prue and Paula trying to finish them off. Well, that's what they told us. Hang on, I'm just going to Google it. 
While Jane spends a happy morning Googling poisoned flowers, um, let's just have a quick rundown of the uh, the comments for the technical there. So, of course, this was our summer pudding bomb with an elderflower and berry jelly. Uh, some lovely meringue kisses in there as well. A creamy raspberry filling encased in the um, rather interesting looking raspberry soaked bread. Sandro coming third there. Nothing had set, bless him. He cut out his bread, which he really didn't need to do, but he had a good glaze on the top. Yeah. So it's very funny. Good for him. It looks like those prayers to Beyonce didn't work. I, indeed, they didn't. She's uh, clearly should have been praying to uh, Saint Honoré rather than Beyonce. Um, mm. uh, oh, very good. I know, good knowledge, I Sarah. I listen. <laughs> Shabira came second. Um, again, hadn't held up too well, uh, but it did have some sort of shape. Uh, they said the jelly set. And the, the mixture in the middle wasn't set, but, you know, the flavours were pretty good. And Abdul finally, bless him, got a first in the technical. He got Starbaker last week. He's had a first in the technical this week. Well done, Abdul. And uh, we've had nice decoration and attempt at the shape, but not quite bomb enough. I will say the uh, the, the greatest compliment that uh, Paul had for Abdul was the decoration is all right. It's a sort of shape. So I think it's like, I think it's fair to say that they all did terribly. There's a level to which you're like, okay, well, it's their ability and their ability to deliver on the day, but also maybe slightly questioning whether the challenge was a great challenge because I don't think any of them looked particularly lovely, did they? Well, to be fair, they did look terrible, but no, I'm not really surprised, poor things. Okay, sorry, elderflower, mildly toxic, mildly toxic elderflowers unless sick. some people get a stomach upset and there is mild toxicity but then you have to cook it to get rid of the toxins there you go shouldn't don't put them raw on your cake might upset your stomach mild toxicity it's kind of like you know mild death isn't it well <laughs> could be but you know the rest of it the rest of the plant obviously you can eat the berries contain cyanide inducing glycosides so the rest of the plant don't go chewing a bit of your Elder bush. Sambucus is there. It's Latin. <laughs> Elder bush. <laughs> what? Anyway, don't don't eat don't eat the flowers. Okay. All right. No, I there don't I don't eat elderbush. Um so, <laughs> but don't like apple seeds contain cyanide or something. I think that's quite a common thing in plants that can poison you, the ones that we regularly eat. Uh, my mother used to tell me not to eat the apple seeds because otherwise a tree will grow inside your stomach. Yeah. I believed her. I don't quite... The kids are dumb, aren't they? We've, we've definitely got a, a, a week for next year, haven't we? Poison week. Poison <laughs> week? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't go around to, to Howard's for tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or at least make sure he likes you first. <laughs> so as we leave the technical, we have Abdul in very good position, Shabira in really good position as well, Sandro. I'm not sure at this point. Do we do we think it's between Abdul and Shabira for the showstopper? Honestly, at this point, no, because I think they said the technicals were all awful, and I would agree with that. Like, it was... Abdul's would never have won if there were more people there. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that would have been... If he produced that in week one, he would never have been first. You know, someone would have done a better job on that. So I don't think there's actually that much in it. Sandra was definitely down the bottom. I would agree with that. But like, not by that much. Like, not that it's not recoverable, I would say. I thought he was trailing in the signature and definitely trailing in this one. But, uh, well, we shall see. It's all down. 
All down to the showstopper. It's all down to the showstopper. So when it comes to, you know, the weightings of the signature and the technical and the showstopper, I don't think we were ever told how it was weighted. We always got the impression that the showstopper could swing everything. And I think we saw that in the Custard Week with Shabira. She did an amazing showstopper and it took her from sort of middle of the pack to winning. So I think everything can come to, it really can come down to the showstopper. And um, I very much thought that it would be the, the case uh, for the final as well. Yeah, you're probably right. Probably right. But I'm sad I don't think my, my Sandro is. I think Sandro is well-loved outside of the tent, um, and especially on social media, and I think he will do just fine whether he wins or not. Oh, I think he's just delightful, and I loved seeing his family, and well, all of them, but it was very moving, his family and what they said about him. His mum was so proud. Oh, it was just lovely, just lovely. We, we love Sandro. Well, we love them all, but yeah, that was very moving having the whole family talking about him. I thought, yeah, sweet. And Sandro is uh, definitely loved by comedian Tom Allen. If uh, any British people out there watch an extra slice, he has declared his love for Sandro, so he is well loved. Oh, mm. good, good. He'll do fine. I'm sure he will, <laughs> but without a handshake. I'll shake his hand when I meet him. Well, that'll mean a lot. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> So thank you for everybody who has sent in questions for us. Uh, We have two final questions to finish our podcast season here. We have a question from Tasha in Utah. And uh, Tasha says, thanks for your podcast. I live in the US and always look forward to Friday nights when I can watch Bake Off and listen to Dan, Jane and Howard's thoughts on the episode. So thank you for that, Tasha. My question is, how many camera people are there in the tent? My husband thinks each baker has their own person filming them, but 12 camera operators running around in episode one sounds quite excessive to me. Does the size of the crew decrease throughout the competition as more bakers are eliminated? I suppose it depends (laughs) whether it's changed or not. I don't know. I don't know. There there was definitely one, one big boomy kind of camera at the front. And then I would say about three or four handheld cameras, I think. I think they're or thereabouts. So, no, there isn't one for all of us, each of us. They did split it up. So, you know, you tended to get the same sound person and the same camera person doing the interviews outside the tent for the whole of the weekend. Might change the next week. But no, the number of crew didn't go down. They just ran around a lot more in the first weeks. You know, there's not that much room in the tent, really. And they did an incredible job of not getting in people's ways. So I would say six cameras, maybe a couple on two or three on shoulders and maybe some others. No, is Dan, you shaking your head, not six? In Well, in my season, you're right. They had a big one at the front and a couple of, a couple of like stationary ones and one on a big arm outside um, to do the sort of panning shots of people walking to the tents and whatnot. And then there are four teams of people. I mean, when you say handheld cameras, I think you're underselling it. These are huge sort of oh, expensive yeah. over the yeah. shoulder kind of backpack mounted, some of them, you know, like enormous, uh, probably horrifically expensive cameras. And um, yeah, apparently the, the number of camera properties didn't go down. They just had more ability to film people more intensively and during the early stages not only were we filled with anxiety but every time something goes in or comes out of the oven you have to say i'm going in you know um, because they wanted to film it and that was actually really stressful because um you know your buzzer would be going off and the camera would be busy with someone else you'd be like hurry up hurry up hurry up 
I need to get this out. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's stressful at the beginning. Oh my god, the anxiety! It's coming all back. I'm starting to sweat. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, I, I believe, I mean, I wasn't there for the latest stages, obviously, spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, I believe that the number of teams doesn't go down. And in the final, I think everyone has their own camera team. I believe. Well, that's what I was told. I wasn't there. But yeah. Well, to be honest, in the final, you're not really paying attention to whether you get the same one coming and taking a picture in your oven the first time or the second time. They're all just floating about. Um, and to be honest, towards the end, you're supposed to say going in or coming out. And if you're busy, you don't bother to shout. <laughs> you just take them out the oven. I mean, you think, I haven't got time to wait for you to stop interviewing Candice. You get a bit blasé at the end. Well, lovely. Thank you, Tasha, for that question. And hope that gives you a good answer. And our final question here, which makes you feel emotional, the last question. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Question from Alice in Texas. Hi, Alice. Um, she says, hello, Bakers. It's a joy listening to you every week. I'm probably showing my Americanness here. But my husband and I always ask, what's the deal with lavender and rose flavours in baking? <sighs> is it <laughs> uh, is it very common in the UK, these flavours? Every time a contestant says they're going to make something rose or lavender flavoured, we groan because the feedback is almost always going to be that the judges can't taste it or that it's too strong and tastes like soap. Jane, I feel like you have a strong response for this one. <sighs> Well, my daughter absolutely hates lavender anything. You wouldn't put lavender anywhere near a scone or a shortbread or anything like that. I don't, there's so many wonderful flavours out there. Do you really need to go and stick lavender in something? Stick it in a little bag and put it under your pillow. Rude and disrespectful. No. Sorry. Yeah, yeah excuse me. I haven't finished it. Um, <laughs> and as for Rose... Rose, I don't mind rose too much. You've got to be so careful that um, you don't make it taste like soap or something from the bathroom. But I wouldn't say it's that common. I, I think it, you'll see it more on Bake Off just because people think they ought to use a you know rose, rose and pistachio. You wouldn't go into a local bakery and find lots of rose-scented things, to be honest, or or lavender-scented things. You're, I think you're right. So uh, rose is more of a Middle Eastern flavour. I mean, obviously we have roses in England, but it's generally more of a Middle Eastern flavour. Anyone of a certain age will have eaten rose Turkish delight at Christmas. Oh, which I love, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if, if the balance is right, it's really nice. And lavender is more of a French thing, and especially lavender and lemon, which is actually delicious if you get the balance right. But yeah, I think it is often the case that when you're in the tent and you're like, okay, I can't just make an ordinary lemon cake. What can I add to make it seem more exotic or special? And you're like, oh, something fancy like lavender or rose or something sort of perfumey. I get that people want to do it, but it is easy to get wrong, isn't it, Howard? It is, but I, I, I quite like things where it's easy to get them wrong. I like the challenge of doing them. So, yeah, I, I use uh, both rose and, and lavender in certain things. A bit of lavender shortbread I, I quite like. And uh, rose. Rose is quite nice, actually, in a meringue. Just a very delicate touch of rose in uh, a plain meringue. Um, it's quite lovely. With lychees or something like that. It'd be nice. Oh, actually, that sounds quite nice. But what were we saying earlier? He was going to poison us with his toxic plants. Like, please... <laughs> Please, no, no poisonous plants or lavender for me, Howard, when we come round for tea. It's, as long as it's, I mean, it's not supposed to smell like mothballs, Jane. It's supposed to be a subtle flavour. I'm reminded of Norman in, I believe, series 
five. Oh, lovely Norman. When Nancy won with uh, Nancy, Louis and Richard and he put lavender in a meringue. Um, and yeah, Paul's reaction definitely was, it tastes like soap. So this is clearly something that's very easy to to overbalance. Was Norman the other the guy who also thought that pesto was exotic? Yes. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was lovely. He was so popular. He was so sweet. I just, even at the time, I was like, pesto is exotic. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Alice, for your question there, and Tasha as well, and Danielle as well. Thank you, everybody, for all your questions. I hope we've provided good answers throughout the season, and uh, we will take more questions when we return next year. So here we go, the final, the final of the final, or the finale as everybody keeps calling it, which makes it sound like Bake Off the Musical, which makes me very happy. So for our showstopper, we had a large edible sculpture in the theme of Our Beautiful Planet, something that, the theme that we've continued throughout this with seasonal ingredients and maybe not as much clean film as we might have once used. So we wanted a large cake base with three additional baking skills in four and a half hours. So it sounds like Sandra had to do a bit of work here to really pull himself up above Abdul and Shabira. Howard, what did you think of this showstopper? I thought it was quite a nice showstopper. I don't think we're always told the kind of details about the brief that's been set. It seemed to me as if everybody was using a kind of 12-inch base. So whether they, they'd been prescribed that the cake base had to be a 12-inch round cake but yeah I think it gave a lot of opportunity for people to show off their skills I don't think it necessarily delivered on that point which is a bit sad really (laughs) sorry no Howard speak freely (laughs) Howard (laughs) so what else say say more in detail what did you think didn't work one of the things that you have to think about if you are having to show at least three other baking skills in addition to the cake You're wanting to show a variety of skills, but I suppose the best thing to do as well is to play to your strengths. So think about those disciplines that you are going to be able to manage within the time and are not going to be hugely demanding. Some people got that and some people got carried away a little bit on trying to do things that were perhaps not their their forte, really. But, you know, at least Jane got her wish and they made some shoe. So you must be delighted, yes. Jane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, did they make shoe? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, oh. That poor, well, it's Abdul's, isn't it? Are they just awful? I mean, they're some of the worst shoe. I think I would have rather thrown them in the bin than even put them on the cake. Uh, yes, it, it, I, I, I can't describe a shoe. A shoe is the one thing that makes me shout at the television year after year after year after year. I always agree with Howard. I don't think they showed themselves in the best light. I mean, it, it was the theme was Our Beautiful Planet, and I don't think anything was particularly beautiful. And I think looking back on last year with Chigs, ah. if you, we all remember the wonderful Chigs, who, uh, being a very young, new baker, new to baking, could have quite easily won it last year. He got to the final because his planning, creating things within his ability and, and the time, was so good. And this year, I think where they all fell down is they didn't, one, play to their strength, as, as Howard said, and two, look carefully at what they could do in the time 
because frankly, they all looked a bit of a mess. And I know they didn't have much time to practice. I, I, you know, I, I did feel sorry for them, but I think they could have scaled it right down and done something stunning instead. The On paper, they looked great, didn't they? I mean, the picture of what Sandra wanted to create was amazing. But we're looking at our beautiful planet, taking Sandro and singling him out. Sorry, Sandro. He had the sea. He had the earth. He had the sky. He had something else. And you, you didn't need to do sky, sea, and planet. You needed Not to the pick whole planet. No, yeah. the whole, you needed to pick something. I was trying to think what I would do. I would possibly do something rainforesty, or I wouldn't do an orangutan. Focus in on something and make it gorgeous instead of trying to do the whole universe. And I think they really, really showed that their planning skills, they hadn't learned anything during their 10 weeks. I think they all tripped up because they wanted to show how much they could do in the time and it just didn't come off, I don't think, at all. And I'm very sad. I'm very sad for them all because we all want to see a gorgeous showstopper and I don't think any of them delivered, sadly. I also felt a little disheartened when Sandra said, I don't time anything, it's all by eye. I thought there's nothing wrong with timing things. Oh, that's so foolish. It helps yeah. you, you know. It it gives you gives your brain space to say, okay, the timer's going to time 10 minutes and then I'll... I'll come back. You you still have to use your eye to, to look and, and smell, as you guys often say in classes, and, and feel if the bakes are right. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with timing things. It, it helps you keep things under control. That that upset me. I will say you can often smell when a cake is ready. Like you smell it out of the oven and you're like, oh, that smells done. And then literally like 10 seconds later, the timer will go off. So like that happens a lot when you bake cakes. So you can sometimes tell. You can just tell that it's baked. But yeah, that's, that did seem slightly foolhardy. One thing I was curious about, it might have just slipped my attention. Was there a height requirement for this? No, no. I didn't see Not that. that I, saw, I, no. I didn't notice a height requirement, but they all made very tall things, didn't they? Yes, they did. Um, so I think, look, the thing is with the showstoppers, we like to see the decoration. And I think, for example, Abdul's looked, something that Paul said that I thought was dead on. Abdul's looked great from far away, but when you looked up close, it was messy in the details. And I think that was a, a common theme. Actually, I thought Shabira's looked fine, apart from the orangutan's face, which was <laughs> comically childish. <laughs> oh no, I, think to, I tell you what I was disappointed with, when she said, oh, and we're going to have a chocolate and hazelnut buttercream fur. And it was just spread on, wasn't it? And I wanted to see it piped in those strands. Oh, that takes a yeah. long time, though. That takes a really long time <sighs> to do that. But I know I, I agree with I don't you. Know, Lizzie did it pretty quickly last year, didn't she, with the right not? Oh, yeah, you just did. And I, I, I was disappointed with all, all of them. And I, I, I agree totally with Paul that Abdul's B-shaped macarons wouldn't have taken much to make it B-shaped rather than um, just a round one that you drew on. Um, and I think that shows that they didn't have much time to plan it. To plan it. <laughs> Who made planets? <laughs> <laughs> I just think they overcomplicated what they did. Sorry, guys, if you're listening. I know we've spoken before about the difference between seeing more drama in the show and seeing Mel and Sue going off and learning where Bakewell Tarts come from. Do you think the contestants feel a bit more pressure to make something spectacular rather than just pulling everything back a little and just saying, 
right, just do one thing, just do that, you know? Do we think that's where the show's heading? I think you're a victim of your own thoughts. And when you're, we've said this a few times on the podcast, when you're preparing your recipes, you haven't met anyone yet. You don't know if you're going to be the worst person there or the best person there. And you just do everything you can possibly do in the time. And what you'll find is, or what I found is, I could make it in three hours at home. But when I've got a camera pointed in my face, people coming to talk to me, people asking me every five seconds what exactly it is that I'm doing, everything takes takes longer. You lose half an hour without even knowing where it's gone. Uh, and I think that's what happens is, it, you know, people really are rushing to finish at the end and you have to scale back on quality to finish on time. And, you know, I said to one of the people, why don't you give people more time? And she said, well, you just fill it with more things. It's not the time that's the problem. It's people being too confident about what they can do in the time. But you don't know until you've lived through the experience. You don't really know how it affects you, how it's going to affect your ability to bake under pressure, I think. Is the contestants doing it to themselves at the end of the day? Yeah, but to be fair about the final, you if it's the same as it was, and I don't want to give any secrets where you don't get told what the final challenges are until about... We did. Oh, did you? I heard that in previous seasons that contestants hadn't known until later in the competition, but we had an outline. I mean, I didn't submit all my recipes because I was not that organised. We were told what it was going to be. It was up to us as to whether we were organised enough to write all the recipes, and I was not. Oh, okay, fair enough. Oh, things change, and it's probably different from when you and I did it, Howard, and it's probably different from when you did it. I just thought it was a, I just thought it was a bit disappointing, really, this week. And I did, I felt very sorry for them because I think they, none of them were particularly happy with what they put up. It was just disappointing for the viewers as well because there was no real disaster or things falling on the floor, which always gives us a good laugh. But then there was nothing stunningly beautiful to look at. So I think it was it fell a little bit flat for me, a bit like Abdul's shoe buns. But Jane, I think you should be more sympathetic than anyone here because you know that after 10 weeks of preparing bakes and practicing, you are exhausted. You're not, let's be, let's be real, it's the end of a marathon. You're not at your finest at that moment, are you? Is any one. I mean, some people magically are, but most people are not going to be at their finest after 10 weeks of stress, are they? Oh, well, you're absolutely right. And I am being, I'm being something that I criticise other bakers for doing, uh, which is criticising the contestants when we know exactly what it's like in the tent. So I'm not criticising the bakers because I love them all. I'm just criticising the quality or the planning because I'm sure they were disappointed. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, they were all lovely, because they really, they really were. Yes, they're all tired. They're all exhausted. They don't have much time to do this. They don't have much time to practice. They're all working or juggling a family or doing what they're doing. And it is hard, but it just fell short for me. And I really hate to criticise them because I know how awful that is. But it, on, on a positive note, something did make me laugh. So Sandro is doing the world and they were talking and said something about a Prue said, oh, it didn't take didn't take seven days. And Sandro said, yep, I'm faster than God. (laughs) Which hopefully for anybody who is particularly religious, I'm sorry if that's offensive, but it was quite fun. (laughs) 
It was quite funny. <laughs> My favourite Sandro moment, though, was uh, when he admitted that Sandro had bought Paul Hollywood's book and Paul Hollywood had told him to buy yes! his book. And I thought the absolute liberty of that man to be like, yeah, I need I need the extra few pennies that will come from selling that book. Go on, uh, Sandro, shell out some of your own money. A shocking. I bet off camera, Paul had a stall at the fine <laughs> and he was selling oh, his book. <laughs> <laughs> I believe... I, I, I think I remember these correctly. I think Paul, when I was in the tent, Paul asked me if I'd bought any of his books. And I was like, sort of hint, hint. Yeah, well, I have actually. I have bought some of his books. But uh, yeah, I brought in a dough whisk to the tent um, just to stop getting my hands sticky when we were making loads of bread when you know, initially bring it together. And Paul said, what's this? I said, it's a dough whisk. And I was like, do you not know what that is? And he's like, no. I said, you should get one in your range, Paul. <laughs> like, <laughs> always got to be selling, Paul. Always got to be selling. Those Lamborghinis <laughs> don't pay for themselves. <laughs> so, yes, the baker's doing possibly not the best job they could have done, as, as we've just covered. Sandro's three-tier lemon and plum cake with white chocolate raspberry profiteroles, lemon biscuits, blueberry cake pot planets, which I didn't actually see the cake pot planets. And, of course, those big bun boulders at the side. I believe the comments were that they didn't really like the sweet bread boulders. They just didn't they didn't look too great and they were underproved. And Abdul's honey sponge cake uh, with his sort of honeybee uh, inspired one um, with his raspberry profiteroles, elderflower almond biscuits and his uh, slightly overbaked bee-shaped macarons. Again, we've spoken about it looked good from far away, a bit messy close up. Uh, a lot of honey through his sponge. I don't know if it was too sweet or That's not. That's what it says on my Tinder bio too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Macarons could have done with being more B-shaped. Uh, they tasted good, but a little more dome needed. The shoe was a bit flat, but the biscuit was good. Uh, so again here, as you've said, Jane, we're seeing... The, the elements like macarons, overbaked, shoe, flat, you know, overbaked cake. You know, this is a baking competition. Let, let's focus on good bakes. Do you know what I mean? And Shabira's orangutan cake, we've spoken about the rather interesting face. Uh, but she had some fantastic flavours in there with the black pepper Genoese sponge, chocolate and hazelnut buttercream for tarragon shortbread, which unfortunately they couldn't taste, but Prue didn't seem too, too bothered about that as well. So what I looked at is, so for the feedback, Shabira really only had the negative was that it was a little bit messy. It wasn't very neat. I thought Abdul did very well as well, but he got quite a bit more negative feedback actually for his. Prue said, I think the shoe buns are the worst thing. That's a proper failure. And I thought, ooh, it's no good making shoe if it's going to be dreadful. Because, well, I don't uh, think he could fill it, could he? They were so flat, I don't think he could fill them. You can't hide that kind of failure, can you? The only thing you can do is not put it on. And they obviously, I think, needed the three baked elements, didn't they? Yeah. So he was out of luck with that one. Howard, I've got a question for you about just thinking about the future of the show. We've seen 13 seasons now. We've had some weeks that people weren't particularly happy with and we're starting to see things repeat themselves. What do you think the future of the show should be? Do you think we need to go back to, I mean, for early seasons, like the signature for Cake Week was 
a cake and the signature for biscuit week was biscuits you know we started out very very basic do you think the show needs to go back to that sort of basic baking level or do you think we need to carry on on this crazy showstopper i don't think it's necessary to 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 completely go back but i just think that what you want to see in some of those early weeks is really testing people's basic basic baking skills and you can do that within really creative challenges but you need to make sure that you're ticking off bakers can do cakes bakers can bake pastry bakers can make bread and how you frame that that's where the creativity comes in and it's fine to certainly for for interest and so on to have a week that you've not had before but make sure you don't do that at the expense of covering off those basic baking skills, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of people are good at decorating cakes or baking cakes. And there's a lot of big gaps in people's knowledge. Whereas, you know, in, in the olden days, you know, my mother used to make her own sort of puff pastry and stuff. Like, no one does that anymore. Well, I do. Yeah, well, most people don't, Jane. You're a baker. Um, like... <laughs> Um, so I think some of those skills have been lost and it is a lot of cake decorators these days I think what Bake Off really needs to be completely honest is they need a Bake Off All Stars with some of the most talented, witty, intelligent, (laughs) humorous, handsome bakers that they've had throughout the season so I think we'll start off with us three and work out who else to add what do you reckon Jane? I was I was gonna say Dan handsome handsome people why who and who here would be involved in that one? Shut up Sarah! (laughs) I think it's a brilliant idea Dan and I did suggest it to somebody who phoned me a couple of years ago and they went yes okay we will put it towards the production team and uh, haven't heard anything since so I think that's not going to be a flyer but I I would like to see some more basic skills and I know they do it on our MasterChef over here they have you know here are some ingredients make something from it in a technical I'd, but I'd quite like to see it going a bit down that route because I do f- I do feel most people can make something if they've practiced and they've looked it up and, and worked on the recipe I'd like to see them tested at the early stage to see actually how good they are as bakers and we could see some hilarious things it, it would be great entertainment I just say I think it needs a refresh, uh, just a little refresh, because it's very close to my heart and I absolutely love it. But I think it needs a refresh, and maybe the poison plants way is is the way to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who will get through to next week? <laughs> Which cupcake have you chosen? Yeah. Cupcake roulette. Oh goodness me! <laughs> the stakes are higher. Well, we will see what Bake Off twenty twenty three brings. So here we are, we have come to the end of this year and we need to crown our star baker. And of course, I think many people could see it, especially from the last few weeks, it was the fabulous Shabira. She's done so well. I think she's really earned her place in the final. She's made some fantastic bakes, some memorable, memorable flavours. They've not always been particularly popular I guess with Paul and Prue but they've really admired her her spirit and she's pulled off some amazing bakes so Howard what do we think Shabira is is our star baker this year yeah I'd I'd definitely definitely a baker after my own heart she's got great skills to begin with very very calm and confident as a baker but she's also willing to just push the boat out and try something a bit different and uh, I think that combination has has really uh, been the secret of her success. 
I think Howard's exactly right. I think one thing that Shabira's had is she's had the skills, she's had the the steady mindset, but she's also had her own perspective. Um, she's had the flavors that she's brought from where she's familiar with. And um, one thing that I've quite enjoyed is, although they haven't always, the judges haven't always loved everything that she's done, and they said, oh, it's maybe this isn't to my taste, or this isn't something that I like. She hasn't allowed that to knock her confidence and to change her. And she still used those unusual flavors. And, you know, when the judges were making fun of her for putting sweet corn in her cake and saying they didn't like it, it didn't stop her from being adventurous the next week. And I think she's, you know, sometimes I look at a baker and I think, oh, I could have done that. And when I look at Shabira, I think oh, I couldn't have done that, actually. I think, you know, that's that's something that I couldn't have done. And I think Shabira's entertained and excited the inner baker in me this year. So um, as much as I, I love being right about picking the right person from the start, and I will say that and enjoy that, um, I think she really has deserved it. I think she's been the most interesting baker. She's been very consistent and she's delivered really high quality decoration as well as flavor. So I, I think she's fantastic. And I think she's going to do very, very well when she leaves this tent. You know, I think Sandro maybe is the bit of the national sweetheart of the series. You know, everyone loves Sandro, but I think uh, Shabira, she's a real baker's baker. I really like Shabira a lot. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think she has been so creative. I haven't always fancied some of her flavours. What were they, chicken satay macarons? I wasn't sure that that was something I particularly would want to eat. However, her creativity is without rival. She has done some beautiful things. I loved her watermelon steamed bun things. Okay, the flavour perhaps didn't hit the mark, but they looked beautiful. And I just think that's what we want. We're watching television. We can't taste anything. We'll have to trust Paul and Prue on that one, that the taste is great. But visually, for most of her bakes, they were absolutely stunning. And for me, the best bake ever on Bake Off was that wonderful cake she made with the pineapple flowers on the top. I just, I want to make it. It was absolutely beautiful and it's my standout moment in the series. So I think she's a very worthy winner and I think she's very popular. She seems delightful. She laughed and smiled all the way through it and that's really what you want. I loved all the others, don't get me wrong, and I'm sad Sandro didn't win because he was my choice. But I can't win every year. She's a worthy winner, isn't she? Um, and I look forward to seeing more of her. And all of them. They're, they're all a delight. And I'm sure we will see more of all of them. Indeed. So well done, Shabira. A well-deserved win. And she's just been an absolute star, an absolute delight. So well done, Shabira. So there we go. We have our finalist crowned. We have our final star baker and the end of Bake Off 2022. Thank you, everybody who's joined us in these podcasts, who's been listening and sending in questions. We couldn't have done it without you guys. And just before we head off, we want to let you guys know of another webinar we have coming up. Uh, it's coming up on Saturday, the 26th of November. Perfectly timed for Black Friday and Thanksgiving to all of you in the US who'd love to join us. And we have the lovely Dan doing this one. And Dan, we are going to be doing some pumpkin whoopie pies, aren't we? We are. Yeah, I'm really excited to make this one. Um, very sort of seasonal flavours. Bit of a cream cheese uh, filling in there. I like to think of them in the politest possible way as sort of like the poor man's macaron. So it's a, like a nice sandwich biscuit for if you think the macaron are going to be a bit too fiddly, a little bit too difficult for you start off with a nice whoopie pie it's a nice sort of easy inroad into making sort of a nice sandwich biscuit that's got some great flavors in there um and uh yeah it's a, it's a fairly easy one actually 
you can knock these up quite quickly. And I think they're quite impressive. So if you are a big fan of the pumpkin spice, uh, get involved. Come see me and uh, we'll have a fun time together, won't we? I'm sure Jane and Howe will be there as well, won't you? Oh, I've got a big thing of pumpkin spice in my cupboard that I don't use very often, so I, yeah, I might just come and watch. <laughs> never made a whoopie pie. No, I've never made a whoopie pie. No. Well, we will see you all there. That is Saturday, the 26th of November. Keep an eye out on your emails and on our social pages, and we will let you know the details very shortly. Well, thank you very much, Dan, Jane, and Howard. This has been a lovely way to spend the weeks watching Bake Off, discussing it with you lovely people, and thank you all for spending this time with us. Thank you all our lovely listeners, and hopefully we will see you back at Christmas and New Year for our festive celebrity bake-offs. And until then, keep baking, everyone. We'll see you very soon. Bye-bye. You just heard a stripped media production. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.